sin is a failure to bother to love. Yeah, that sort of blows your mind. And, you know, sin's a lot of other things. I mean, obviously, you know, it's murder and, you know, all those kind of terrible things. But dealing. But, you know, most of the time it's a failure to bother. We don't, you know, and in the gospel passages, you think of the parables of the rich man who passes over the poor person outside of his door, or even the priest and the Levite, you know, who passed the man lighting by the side of the road. They don't, they don't bother. So, you know, for a lot of us in the United States, it's like, yeah, whatever. There's refugees, and there's poor people, and there's people who are struggling, and there, there are people of color who are really up against it. But, you know, whatever, I'm just going to turn the TV off, you know, and just go about my day. Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast, everybody. We're your hosts. I'm Adam Narlock. I'm John Williamson. And this week we have Father Reverend James Martin. Oh, man. And uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. Um, you, you may have seen him. He was a regular frequent guest on the Colbert Report. Uh, when when Colbert still had his show on Comedy Central, Heck yeah, um, he's a Jesuit priest and he's editor at large of America Magazine, and he's a best selling author of multiple books. Um, we'll have in the show notes, but uh, specifically, he just came out with Seven Last Words and a book that you've been reading recently. Oh man, it's so good. The Jesuit Guide uh, to I think it's the Jesuit Guide to almost everything. Yep, it's so good. I'm about a third of the way through it. I just got it the other day, and I just can't put it down. Yeah, he's. Um, Phenomenal. I mean, he's been all at all sorts of different TV channels. Um, you know, Comedy Central, obviously, um, NPR, the BBC, the History Channel, um, and uh, he writes also part time for um, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and publications like that. Um, just a brilliant writer, and just another example of how um, you know the oldest Christian denomination, if you want, uh, <laughs> if you want to put it that way, is just. You know, like, I think a lot of people kind of, like, look past it, you know, especially on the Protestant side, because we're like, yeah, eh, we have nothing to learn from the Catholics because we've moved past that. We've graduated, you know? Yeah. But this guy has some fresh stuff that he's... We're, <laughs> we're all like, yeah, watered down, you know, starchy evangelical Christianity didn't work for me, so I'm not even <laughs> going to touch that deep, rich Catholicism. <laughs> That's a bunch of weird stuff. I think my wife even said... I'm not confessing to a priest. No. I'm just not doing it. Well, I'm, I'm totally trying to like suggest like, hey, honey, <laughs> think I might want to convert <laughs> to something. Seriously. I'm not sure. I'm having an identity crisis. <laughs> I know. Anyway, keep going. Well, we talked about it the other day. We're like, man, if we could find a Jesuit, a Jesuit priest to start uh, uh, an, like an evangelical worship style church. Oh, my gosh. Well, didn't you say that if, if we could get um, like an amazing musician to do some like great like beautiful like liturgical music yeah. and have a jesuit and a jewish mystic yes like run the like services yeah we were going to get james truslow and clay kirchenbacher to yeah. to be uh the worship leaders yeah <laughs> oh my get, gosh then get art green and uh father james martin to co-lead this thing called the collective <sighs> and it would be amazing you shouldn't have put it out there man i know no, people are going to want to make it happen I know. please <laughs> please do love Pete Rollins guest lecture. Yeah, yes. Anyway, let's get to the interview. <laughs> oh, man. So you guys are going to enjoy this one. Um, he He's very active on social media. I highly recommend his Twitter feed. Oh, highly recommend his Twitter feed. Um, I think he's just, he's really putting some stuff out there, especially lately based off of um, things happening in the news and um, mm -hmm. a lot of social stuff uh, that needs to be heard. Absolutely. And uh, and he's he's got the authority to say it. So, um, yeah, without further ado. James freaking Mark. Nora, close your eyes for going under. Well, Father James Martin, thank you. Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. John and I are just delighted to have you here. We've been excited about this for a really long time. Thanks for hanging with us tonight. My pleasure. So uh, before we get started, uh, for those of our listeners who, who aren't as familiar with your background, um, 
tell us a little bit about uh, what you do and, and how you got into the work that you currently do. Sure. I'm a Jesuit priest. I'm editor-at-large of America, which is a Catholic magazine, and um, I also write books uh, as part of my work here at America. And before I entered the Jesuits, I went to the Wharton School of Business and worked for six or seven years, actually six years at uh, GE in mm-hmm. corporate finance and human resources. And as part of my Jesuit training, I you know, uh, did ministry all over the place, uh, including in East Africa with refugees. I studied philosophy and theology. I was ordained in 1999, and ever since then, I've been working at America, and that, that is my life in one minute. Man, that was really concise. Well done. <laughs> um, Thank you. So, for, you know, for a lot of people that listen to the show, we come from all different backgrounds, but um, encountering your work just really uh, made me more fascinated with a uh, figure from history, St. Ignatius, and uh, just uh, the Jesuits in general, and for a lot of us that just don't know what that is or, um, you know, what's going on with that, could you kind of... Give us an overview of um, who the Jesuits are and uh, a little bit about their founder and why that kind of caught you up and how you found yourself with them. Sure. Uh, the Society of Jesus, also known as the Jesuits, is a Catholic religious order of men founded in 1540 by St. Ignatius Loyola, who was a, uh, a Basque or, you know, Spaniard, who had a conversion experience, um, uh, you know, in the 16th century that led him from being a kind of, you know, a sort of free-living guy. He was, uh, he was a soldier in the army. He was kind of a ladies' man. And he turned around his life and started a religious order um, to basically, as he said, help souls, hmm. which is a very broad mandate. And today, the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits, are, I think, the largest religious order um, of men. I think we're 15,000, 20,000, something like that, all over the world. Wow. And in the, in the United States, we're mostly known for our educational ministries, so our colleges and universities like Georgetown, Boston College, uh, Fordham University, all the universities named Loyola, of mm-hmm. course, and then our high schools and middle schools and community colleges. Even we just started a community college for um, for poor people in uh, Chicago. And uh, but you know we also run retreat houses, we run parishes, we do pretty much everything. Um, you can. I have uh, Jesuit friends who are physicians. I have a friend who's an astronomer at the Vatican Observatory. I have friends who, a friend of mine is um, the Catholic chaplain at San Quentin Prison in California. So on and on and on. You can, you know, as many different uh, ways of serving God there are as, you know, as, as many different ways of being a Jesuit that there are. So they're not like monks. Like Jesuits are just like... We the- are, well, I always say we're kind of like monks in the world. The idea is we are contemplatives in action. That's the idea. And St. Ignatius, at the time, in the 1540s, the orders would have been either uh, contemplative orders, you know, like monastic orders. Um, there are, of course, the Franciscans who are active. But Ignatius really wanted us to be out in the world. Uh, and he wanted, as he said, our, our monastery to be the world. Mm. So we're very active. Uh, we're, we're priests and brothers. That means ordained and not ordained. And you know, doing pretty much anything that uh, needs to be done, you know, in the church and in the and in the world. Uh, you know, as part of my ministry, for example, or my training as a Jesuit, I worked with uh, East African refugees, helping them start small businesses as part of the Jesuit refugee service. So that's you know, that's one thing we do. Oh wow! Most Jesuits, I think, most of them would be in either education or parish life or retreat houses. Um, but, you know, as I said, they do all sorts of things. The old joke is if you've met one Jesuit, you've met one Jesuit. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of diversity there. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, t- tell us a little bit about uh, the, the Jesuit kind of form of spirituality, just in how it's, a, you know, it's, it's pretty unique. It's, you know, we find it incredibly interesting. Well, it is. It's, um, the, the shorthand version is finding God in all things. And what does that mean? That means that God is to be found not only in you know, within the walls of the church on Sunday, and not only, you know, when you're sitting down and praying, and not only when you're reading the Bible, and not only when you're doing spiritual ministries, overtly called, but also, um, you know, listening to a podcast, or uh, meeting up with a friend for, you know, a drink or a cup of coffee, or, you know, playing with your child, or looking at nature. Um, so God is to be found in every moment, and every moment is an invitation to find God, and therefore, every moment is an invitation to be, once again, what Ignatius calls 
the contemplative in action, the person who is living an active life, you know, because most of us aren't monks. Um, some of us are, of course, but uh, most of us are not. And so we're called to live that active life and find God in the midst of that, that activity. So it's a very user-friendly spirituality. It's really, it's really, it's very helpful. It's really changed a lot of lives. So um, if we could very briefly, uh, before we get into, because I really want to get into some of your current work and, uh, and one of the books that, that you wrote um, that I really enjoyed called Seven Last Words. Um, before we get into that, though, um, you, you wrote the foreword for, uh, for another guest we had on the show, uh, Dr. Martin Marty, on a book on the Reformation, which I thought was very interesting because yeah. um, the book, I, I was kind of surprised. I thought the book was good, just going to be this historical account of the importance of the Re- Reformation for Protestantism. Um, but it was very much about this reconciliation between uh, primarily the Lutheran Church and the Catholic Church, and I thought it was uh, neat that you wrote the forward to it. Yeah. Well, my joke was that the only reason I wrote the forward, or the real reason, um, I'm I'm being facetious, of course, <laughs> was was that I wanted to I wanted to uh, have it be said that it was James Martin on Martin Marty on Martin Luther. <laughs> <laughs> I like That's it. a Martin overload. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. All, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I am certainly not a scholar of the Reformation, but I really appreciated what he was trying to do in that book, uh, which was not only to, you know, give people a kind of a different vantage point of the Reformation. You know, he's he knows more about the Reformation than, you know, probably all of us have forgotten put together. <laughs> That's true. And, um, uh, or I, I think it's the opposite. He's forgotten more than all of us know. Yeah, yeah, there, you yeah. there you go. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, there is, there is this kind of um, continuing... Uh, drawing together. And I think just a few weeks ago, the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church signed this declaration saying that uh, that the stuff that had divided them, you know, justification by faith, all that kind of stuff, was was actually, that didn't divide them anymore. That, you know, the theologians on both sides realized that, you know, both sides had uh, good insights. And Mm. so it's great. And it's it's a great time to, it's a great time to kind of be Looking at that, and Pope Francis, I think, went to, I believe, Sweden a couple months ago to, to mark the anniversary. Never mind the storm that keeps us in at night. The cold rain on the leaves. The wind is much too much with you, and I am safe here laughing at the table. You gotta love Pope Francis, man. It, wh- isn't he a Jesuit? He is a Jesuit. That's right. In fact, <laughs> most people know uh, the Jesuits now, thanks to him. You know, and I—he's a good model of a Jesuit. You know, he's very free. That's one of the hallmarks of Jesuit spirituality. You try to be free of anything that keeps you from, you know, responding to God's will. So that's him. He's a very free guy, which I think really appeals to people. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that that Adam and I found ourselves in in deep conversation about last night was just this this tragedy that occurred um, amongst um, what was intended to be peaceful protesting um, in in Virginia. And um, Adam and I both independently uh, happened to see your your tweet thread and uh, thought thought it could not have been um, put more succinctly. Um, I think this is uh, you know as, as Christians who who strive to um, to follow the teachings of Jesus, I, I find. It harder and harder to stay apolitical, uh, which is something that we've tried very hard to do on our show, uh, to stay as, as neutral as humanly possible, but um, find it, it getting more and more uh, difficult to do so as, as time goes on. Um, yeah. And without rehashing all, all of the tweet thread, it's it's amazing. I think people should go to your Twitter feed and, and go read it for themselves. Absolutely. Um, but but you, you point out a couple things that I think are worth no, worth mentioning are kind of like you know, moments where you're like, well, of course, but I think there are things that we forget. Um, and you pointed to the fact that our savior happens to be a Jew. He was Jewish. Yeah. And, and the fact that just to, to support any so sort. His, so was his, so was his mom. And so were all the disciples. <laughs> yes. 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 And so was his, so was, so was Joseph too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Why, why is it that things, simple things like that we forget? I mean, you know, Jesus himself was a Middle Easterner and yet, we see this this uh, intense persecution of people of Middle Eastern descent. You know, it oh, seems an- it's antithetical. To, it's too hard to think about that for some people. And, you know, the other thing uh, I like to remind people is that he was also the victim of capital punishment. Yep. Yes. And he was also on death, and he was also on death row. Um, 
you know, the night before his execution. So, you know, we, when you, when you try to really remind people of the reality of Jesus's life, it's very frightening to people who want to keep him in this little box of, you know, someone who's just your, your friend. And, you know, Jesus is my friend. Um, but, you know, he's also more than that. And, uh, and his, his, his teachings should be very disturbing to people. But, you know, this whole thing about white supremacy, that is the opposite of what Jesus was all about. I mean, you know, he critiqued the disciples who wanted to be first in the kingdom of God. You know, he yes. said the other one wants, well, the people who should be first are the ones who are last. And, you know, you should act like children. You should be servants. I mean, on and on and on. So this idea of supremacy is, is totally anti-Christian. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't think you need to do, that's why I could have done, that's why I did that in, in a couple tweets. I mean, you know, it was easy to kind of spell that stuff out really quickly. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing how just some succinct uh, contemplative reflection on, you know, what it, what it really is that we see in the Gospels and, you know, what church history tells us just cuts right through everything that's happening here so powerfully and so unbelievably succinctly. Just, you know, the, the idea that empire in America could be this thing that can be, you know, trumpeted when, you know, the life of Christ was a life of humility. It was, it's foot washing. Mm -hmm. It's enemy love. It's, mm -hmm. it's so obvious. And it's so funny to me how, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's obvious, it's obvious, but it's not preached. Uh, and I think one of the problems is that, you know, the so-called prosperity gospel uh, is this idea that if you believe in God or believe in Jesus Christ, all these great things are going to happen to you. Yeah. And, you know, I think believing in God is the great thing that happens to you. And certainly I believe God helps us and God's on our side. But, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to get rich, uh, you know, simply because you believe in Jesus. It doesn't mean that your life's going to be free of suffering. And it especially doesn't mean that you can just sit back and, and uh, you know, keep your prejudices and your racism and your hatred. I mean, right. He's not, Jesus is not this big rubber stamp on everything that makes you feel good. That's so good. Yeah, it's it's like it's like people just want to use you know, Jesus to just enable whatever it is that they're doing. Or, you know, if I, like you said, if I believe in, in God or if I believe in Jesus, he's just going to fill my pockets with idols, you know, because, yeah, because that's what he's going to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the irony is, uh, you know, he, he asks us to lead a very simple life. I mean, he, you know, he says, give up everything to the rich young man. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much of, of the Christian message of the Gospels that is just, it's, it's, it was hard back then, and it's still hard. And I think the difference is, uh, today we have, you know, different Christian leaders who are telling us that it's okay to, to believe these things. It's okay to not help the poor. It's okay to be racist. It's okay. Well, they don't say that overtly, but they might as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's okay to, it's okay to, you know, like, keep out refugees and strangers, but, but, you know, I mean, Jesus is really clear about this stuff. And, you know, I always, sometimes I tweet things or I put things on Facebook and people freak out and I say, Hey, listen, you know, don't, don't get mad at me. You can get mad at Jesus. That's yeah. a, this is, yeah. not, this is coming from the gospels. It's, it's pretty clear. And, and to me, isn't, isn't, uh, this, this sense of apathy almost as destructive as, you know, the person that's out there, you know, rioting as well like isn't isn't that just the, the same as driving a nail you know as the person who's out there who's participating in these in these hateful crimes especially as christians well, yeah uh you know the in the catholic church we celebrate to the today the feast of someone called uh saint maximilian Kolbe, and i don't know if you've heard of him but uh he was a franciscan who was in auschwitz in the concentration camp Oh. And when a when a married man was going to be killed, he stepped forward and offered his life for him. Right, so it's a really incredible story. And he died in, in Auschwitz, and he's canonized. And a quote that I saw from him today that I love that I tweeted out was, "The greatest poison of our time is indifference." Mm. And it's true. I mean, that's that's how that's that's what happens. We just one of my theology professors, a guy named Jim Keenan at Boston College had a great insight. And he said that 
in the Gospels, Jesus doesn't critique people who are weak and struggling, you know, which makes sense if you think about it, right? Yeah. He critiques people who are strong and don't bother. Mm. And so for Jim Keenan, which I love, uh, sin is a failure to bother to love. Whoa. Yeah, that sort of blows your mind. And, you know, sin's a lot of other things. I mean, obviously, you know, it's murder and, you know, all those kind of terrible things. But stealing. But, you know, most of the time it's a failure to bother. We don't, you know, and in the gospel passages, you think of the parables of the rich man who passes over the the poor person outside of his door, or even the priest and the Levite, you know, who pass the man lighting by the side of the road. Yeah. They don't know, they don't bother. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for a lot of us in the United States, it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. There's, there's refugees and there's poor people and there's people who are struggling and there, there are people of color who are really up against it. But, you know, whatever, I'm just going to turn the TV off, you know, and just go about my day. It it's almost so, as yeah it's almost as if the machine has gotten too large to the point where it doesn't affect us individually enough to the point where we can flip the TV off. Yeah, and I also think we're just lazy, and we yeah. we have not been we have not been. I think it's a kind of a failure of what we call catechesis of teaching. I think it really is a failure of the mainstream churches to really teach what Christianity is about, and it is not about just simply feeling good about yourself. That's part of it, I think, you know, because God wants us to love ourselves, but it's hard. You know, Jesus said, take up your cross, not, you know, sit on your easy chair. <laughs> oh, man, we're not in our heads over here. <laughs> oh, totally loving this. You yeah, know, it's hard. I mean, Christianity, you know, that doesn't mean it's, it's bad or it's unpleasant or it's, you know, negative or it's, you know, ends up at a terrible thing. But, you know, it's difficult. Well, but this is the path towards life. And, you know, I want to get into some of the things you teach as a Jesuit and some of your really great writings, but this is the path. The path of Jesus is not, you know, you're going to live this miserable life because that's the only way you're going to get God to love you and you got to just beat yourself up and it's masochistic. No, 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 no. The whole, like, give up your life to find true life. Like, you're being called to a truer life than you could possibly imagine by your own selfishness. Your selfishness is too small. Yeah, and if you live by your own selfishness, you'll be miserable in the end. That's what—that's one of the you know the great insights, and that's what Jesus understands. That if you are just someone who's selfish and living for yourself, you, you know, we all know sort of examples of kind of rich people who end up bitter and angry, and you know, that's the whole point. That that life does not satisfy. Mm. And what Jesus is asking us to do is to, and this is the heart of Ignatian spirituality. This is what Ignatian spirituality or Jesuit spirituality highlights, which is that if you free yourself of anything that keeps you from getting closer to God, you will be happy. You will be joyful. It's a joyful life. Yes. It's, you know, you look at people like Francis of Assisi. You look at Pope Francis. I mean, there's a guy who, he enjoys himself. He's joyful. And that's the reason. It's and because free. He's free. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody notices that about him, that he doesn't yep. have to do this. He doesn't have to do that. He's always doing things that popes have never done before. Yeah. There's a yep. kid on stage tugging on his robes, and he's like, don't worry about it. Let it he can stay. Yeah. You know? uh, yep. <laughs> so th- this whole uh, idea. And yeah, go ahead. He teaches, as they said about Jesus in the Gospels, with authority. His, his life and his words are congruent. I, People recognize that. I love... And they want it. They want it. And they want to be with him, and they want to be around him. And that's, that's the appeal. That, that's the real appeal of, of religion. It's not, you know, follow me and you'll you know, make a lot of money. He's, he's not saying that at all. Something better. I love your teaching. Um, and it, you know, it must be a, a Jesuit teaching, but you, you talk a lot about um, these two concepts that I, I see linked. You know, I'm not, you know... I haven't been reading your work for a really long time. I've recently been introduced to it, so maybe you make this link yourself, but this idea of desire comes out in your work a lot, and this other idea mm-hmm. of, um, I think it's Latin, is it agere contra? Uh, that's pretty good. It took me a while to figure out how to pronounce it. Agere contra. Agere contra, okay. <laughs> Stinking Latin. <laughs> no, that's all right. Well, uh, that's my Latin, so. Yeah, yeah, agere contra. So the cool link between these two things is, you know, obviously... Uh, you, you talk a lot about desire being this this really important thing that uh, gives us a sense of vocation. You know, it calls to us. You know, we listen to our mm-hmm. desires, and it calls us to not just, you know, obviously God's love accepts us as who we are, but then calls us to be something more. 
And, mm-hmm. and that desire a lot of times requires, as you, you talk about for free living, that you have to learn to act against your selfishness. You have to learn to act against yourself. And I, I, yeah. I, I would wonder if you could, it, am I making that link prematurely? Or? No, no, that's a, that's, a, that's a good link, actually. Um, yeah, that's very perceptive. The, I mean, desire is really at the heart of the spiritual life because, you know, at heart, you know, the great line from St. Augustine is, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O God. Mm. There's this longing that we all feel, everyone feels, for something more, for some meaning, for some something that's going to satisfy me. And that's, that's the longing for God, that kind of, kind of dissatisfaction is one way that God calls to us. Um, there's a desire to, to love, to have a fulfilling life, to, to be loved. I mean, this is, this is all ways that God kind of calls us. God calls us together in marriage. God calls us together in friendship. You know, in terms of a, of a vocation, you know, you're, you're interested in something. You're attracted. Something appeals to you. That's desire. You know, you're, you're attracted to it. But you're right. You, you to, to be truly free... And to respond to those desires in a free way, you sometimes have to sort of turn away from things that are unhealthy, you know. So, you know, for example, the example I always give is um, if, if you're in the hospital, you know, or you have a friend who's in the hospital, and I say, yeah, I'm not going to go because there's a lot of infections in hospitals. And <laughs> I don't want to get sick. And, you know, you're being prevented from basically being a good person and yeah. you know, being a good friend and that's going to get in the way of your desire of being a good friend. And so you need to kind of, Ajare Contra means to act against, you kind of act against that. So it is, it's an interesting kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. You know, I mean, you want to follow your deepest desires. That's the key. Yeah. But a lot of times there are these surface desires that you need to kind of turn away from, you know, kind of selfish desires basically. So yeah, that's a good link you made. Well, it's like the, the Thomas Merton quote, you know, from No Man is an Island, you know, why do we spend our lives striving to be something we would never want to be if only we knew what we wanted? Exactly. Ugh. And that's also the difference between the false self and the true self. The false self is the self you think you have to present to the world. I, I, I think I've come up, well, not, not I've come up, but I, I think a word that helps me is cool. The false self is like cool. Oh, that's so good. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm on top of stuff. Everything's great. I'm, I'm like, everything's going great. I'm like, everything's fine. I'm fine. I'm cool. Everyone likes me. You know, I'm going to try to get everyone to like me. And, you know, that's, that's baloney. The true self is the person you are before God. Humble, vulnerable, real. And the key is just becoming your true self, becoming who God wants you to become, not this kind of, you know, mask, basically. And oh, that's so and desire comes into that too, you know. Sort of, this is where Ignatius talks about Saint Ignatius' discernment, like to really understand which voices are pulling you towards God and which voices are pulling you away from God. Mm. Yeah, this this human desire to to kind of protect our own ego at all costs, you know. Yeah, or to more or to inflate our own ego. Yeah. In her arms, you'll never starve. You will never freeze And when the world is hard You can fall asleep there In a world of chaos She could be... I was going to say, it's interesting. Um, th- this is kind of a, um, a line of thought that we've heard from, from other um, Catholic speakers that we've had on. So I, I think I just converted to Catholicism. So thank you. Richard Rohr. <laughs> Oh, you're, you're, oh yeah. you're, you're welcome. Very welcome. <laughs> Love to have you. Oh, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating though, because I, one of the, my favorite parts about your book, Seven Last Words, to kind of follow this, this line of thought is that you talk about uh, Jesus and, and his understanding of the importance of the giving of self in order to be reborn. Uh, it almost seems like a lot of us could learn that lesson that, that there are, not, not necessarily physically, but there are parts of us that just need to die before, mm, yeah. before we can experience rebirth. No, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, it's, it's hard. People say, take up your cross, and they're like, well, what does that mean? And part of it does mean that there, is, there are parts of yourself, as you say rightly, that have to, you have to let go of. You have to, you have to let them die. And, you know, those are the selfish parts of you, or the parts of you that are sometimes, you know, fearful. Or, you know, a lot of it, I think, relates to and can be helped by psychology and, you know, what parts do I kind of, where do I need to be freer? I think if you said that to people, they'd say, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. 
but yeah, to let that die so that something new can live. Um, and to let that go, uh, to die to self. That's the great, that's the great spiritual way of love looking at it. It's very freeing. And, and that the resurrection is a pattern. It's not simply, I mean, I believe in that. It's not it's, it's Jesus's resurrection from the dead, but there are kind of these mini resurrections that you have, you know, where something dies and something new is born and you can kind of say, oh, okay, now I get it. I, I can let that go. That's you know, it's also about maturing too. Oh, that's so good. Uh, a lot of the people. It is good. This is all thanks to St. Ignatius and of course Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. We Big fans of both. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. A, a lot of people that listen to our show, you know, we're called the Deconstructionists. It's people that, uh, couple things I'd love to touch on, but I know we're running a little bit short on time and we want to talk a little bit more about your work, you know, towards the end here. So uh, I think it'd be really cool if you could touch on, you know, just quickly, a lot of the people that listen to this show have gone through some of what you call the six paths to God. So mm -hmm. they've been in belief, you know, maybe they're in confusion right now or disbelief or return or, you know, some of these things. And then uh, if you could talk a little bit about that and then weave in how, um, Maybe I think that the Ignatian exercises are something that people that feel lost, disconnected, confused, um, detoxing from some bad church experience, you know, whatever, um, a lot of life can be found in some of those Ignatian exercises. I don't know if you could bring those two together somehow. I'm trying to just save time. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> no, sure. I, yeah, you're sure. Um, yeah, I'd say this. Um, so in this book uh, called The Jesuit Guide to Almost Everything, um, I, I mapped out six paths. I mean, this is just my way of looking at it. Yeah, it's really like good. There are six actual paths. Thanks. Um, it was funny. Someone said to me, how'd you come up with that? And I was like, oh, I just thought about it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. like I did, you know, I didn't like do, you know, endless years of research. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's six, six, based on my experiences, there's six basic paths that got people take to God. And I list them out in the book. And that's based on just listening to people and also my own life, you know? I mean, how do people come to God and how do people find their way to God or religion? And the point is that, you know, everybody comes to God in, in their own way, right? But I, there are certain typologies that we can use. So like the path of belief, some of the stories that's been born into a family that, that they've already believed, they always feel good about that. There's the path of return where you kind of go away and then you come back for a little bit. You know, these are just, uh, this has been born out from people that I've met. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think Ignatian or Jesuit spirituality uh, can help you, can help a person on this path because it takes seriously where each of those people are. Mm. And it says that God meets you where you are. And that if you are someone who, you know, I'm going to make something up, you know, who was raised Catholic and, you know, really fell away from the church during the sex abuse crisis, you know, which is certainly understandable mm -hmm. and kind of misses it. And feels this pull back and says, "Well, what's going on?" You know, you could say, "Well, what do you think? What do you think's going on?" You know, you think God might be calling you back as a as a more mature and even critical Catholic. You know, that that's you know sort of fully aware of the sins of the church, but also aware of the beauty. And to take someone like that seriously is really part and parcel of Jesuit spirituality. You know, because if God is to be found in all things, God is also to be found in this person's path. And you don't say, oh, that's wrong, or that's not the way you're supposed to do it. Because, you know, how do we know people? Came? You know, people came to Jesus in different ways. Mm. You know, you had a fisherman, you had tax collectors, prostitutes, people who were healed. You know, I was just reading the story of the great story in John of the woman at the well, the mm. Samaritan woman. You know, and, and Jesus meets her, and she has five husbands, and... He asked her for a drink of water, and then he talks about who he is, and then she's so excited, she tells everybody, and yeah, it's just a different way to coming to Jesus than, uh, you know, Jesus coming up to Peter and, and Andrew and James and John and saying, follow me, or telling Matthew to, you know, follow me. It's just different. So, you know, you're going to say to the woman at the well, oh, that's wrong. The real way that you need to be called is God needs to come up to you and say, follow me. And yeah. she'll say, well, that wasn't my experience. You know, my experience was this. I had this kind of interesting life, and I met Jesus, and we were talking, and, you know, we went back and forth, and I was a little suspicious. So the whole point is, you, you take the woman at the well, or the Samaritan woman, with as much seriousness as you take Peter. And you say, both of those paths are real. And that, that's, that's Jesuit spirituality, that, that, you know, we, God takes you where you are, and we're going to try to help you find God in all that. 
So imagine if the woman at the well went to someone and told her this, told told someone her story, and they said, "I, you know, that's that's incorrect." You know, she would be she would be really upset, and mm. she'd probably start to doubt herself. Mm-hmm. So that that's what I love about Jesuit spirituality. It takes everybody, mm. you know, where they are, and it uses every tool. That's the other thing to reach people because we don't know where they are. Mm. So, like, you know, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and because that's where people are. Mm-hmm. That's good. So why would I why would I say no? I'm not going to do that stuff, you know. And well, you know, all I'm going to do is preach in church or write books. You know, that's where people are these days. So why not go to where they are and speak their language? Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Amen. Well, we want to be sensitive to your time, but um, so we, we want to finish off with one one last question, and, and we definitely yeah, want sure. to promote your new book and everything. So thank you. Um, your latest book that just came out uh, in June is called Building a Bridge, uh, How the Catholic Church and the LGBT Community Can Enter into a Relationship of Respect, uh, Compassion, and Sensitivity. Um, so tell us a little bit about what this book is about and what, what your hopes are for this. Sure. Um, well, the subtitle kind of says it all, but uh, well, hopefully not all, because otherwise <laughs> people won't buy it. So but, concise. Um, yeah, right. I know. My gosh, that subtitle. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's basically a call for uh, dialogue and mutual respect and encounter between, you know, what I would call the institutional church. So that's, you know, the, the Vatican, the hierarchy, cardinals, archbishops, priests, but also people that work in any official capacity in the church, you know, lay people as well, and LGBT Catholics who really have felt totally marginalized and excluded and insulted and ignored and slandered and everything mm. by the church. And, you know, what happened was I was reflecting on the massacres in Orlando a year ago, a little over a year ago, and I noticed that not too many bishops talked about that and really even extended sympathy to the LGBT community. Mm. And I thought, well, now why is that? Mm. You know, I mean, if this were you know, God forbid, like in a Methodist church or something, um, you know, people, well, if, you know, for example, Charlottesville, the terrible things that have happened in Charlottesville recently, you know, the bishops conference came out with something and bishops, local bishops, and which is they, they should, of course. Yeah. But with Orlando, it was this kind of silence mm. among the majority of bishops. And so that prompted me to think about um, the whole topic. And I did a Facebook video, which got a lot of hits. And then um, I was invited to give a talk and, and the talk, Accept an award called the Building Bridges Award, and so that's where the title of the book came from. So I'm trying to start some dialogue, and the reaction has been really interesting. I mean, the majority has been, you know, overwhelmingly positive, and people hugging me, and literally, you know, crying, and you know, uh, just at parishes. And I mean, really, really, not a day goes by that I don't get really nice letters and emails and stuff. Mm. But then from the far, far right, you know, like hysteria. It's total anger about this topic that Ugh. I would even bring it up. I'm a heretic, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's, it's similar to what we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation. I hate to tell people, but, you know, Jesus reached out to people in the margins, you know, like it or not. Boom. Yep. I mean, the woman, of the, the woman at the well, she's a Samaritan from this hated group, religious-slash-ethnic group that the, the Jewish people in Judea and Galilee didn't like very much for a number of reasons. And, you know, he, he's going out to her. And by the way, he's making the hero of one of his stories, a Samaritan. Right. So, you know, that's Jesus doing what, you know, modeling for us what we should be doing. And mm. I think one of the things that infuriates people is, this is, this is going to sound uh, not meant to be argumentative, but I think it's true. I think one of the things that infuriates people on the far, far right, very, very traditionalist Catholics, is that they know that, that they know at the very deep level that these stories do say that, mm. that they are about inclusion. And I yep. think it infuriates them. It's like when you say to someone who's, you know, who's rich, you know, or who's unforgiving or who's mean, you know, like a quote from Jesus that's really blunt, like blessed are the poor. Right. Or I was a stranger and you welcomed me, and they freak out. And I think it's not only that they disagree with it, but they know, and it's that they it's that they actually agree with it, and they cannot bring themselves to say it. Because to bring themselves to say it would be to, and I'm articulating this actually for the first time ever, to bring themselves to say it would mean a complete change of their life, and they cannot abide by that. 
Yep. I don't know who said it, but it's uh, anger is fear demonstrating itself in public. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it's like, yeah, you're, yeah, you're afraid of what this means for you. That's yeah. It's that's that's yeah. And they're 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 they know on a deep level that that it's true. You know, it's like the rich young man when Jesus meets the rich young man. Jesus, this is about Ajare Contra. Jesus, you remember the story, I'm sure. Uh, Jesus meets a guy who's rich, and Jesus says, you know, he says, what should I do to gain eternal life? And he says, well, you know, you know the commandments. And the guy says, yeah, I'm following all the commandments. And Jesus looks at him with love, the gospel says, and says that you have to do one more thing. Go and sell all you own mm-hmm. and follow me. And now that's Ajare Contra, because I think what's going on is that you know, Jesus isn't saying to every single person, you have to sell everything you own. I think he's saying to this guy, now I know what's keeping you from following me, and it's mm. wealth. Mm-hmm. That's Audrey Contra. So you need to free yourself up. To, this is get back to your original question. You need to free yourself up in order that you can follow your deepest desire. Mm. That, that's the connection. And he can't. And so in that great passage, it says, and he went away sad. You know, and I think it that's that's the that's the kind of the same emotion. But you know, today I think it would be he went away angry. Yeah, that's good. Know, because I think if you said that to someone who's rich and who's a good person, they'd be. I think anger would be much more common today. Mm. Yeah, so good. And so yeah, so so this anger, I think that's you know, there's other reasons why people don't agree with the book, but the deep anger is that you know the book points out to people the fact that Jesus really did reach out to those on the margins and there is no one more on the margins of the Catholic Church than the LGBT person no one everybody yeah. else feels welcome or is try they try to make them feel welcome wow I, so that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to build a bridge good for you that's fantastic um yeah, I don't. I don't know that we could end it any any better. No, any was, better that, note. That was perfect. I mean, there's like a million more questions I could ask you, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have to save that for round two if you'd ever want to do yeah, this well, again. Yeah, let's, let's leave them wanting a little more, then they can go out and buy the book. There you go. Perfect. Absolutely, so, and they should. They so, should. Thanks. So, so you mentioned thanks. that you you have a, a a social media presence, which uh, Adam and I can attest to. We love following you on Twitter. Um, you've got a great presence there and a, and a great voice. Uh, where else can people go to stay on top of what you're up to? You know, what you're currently working on. Sure. Uh, well, Facebook. Um, I have a public Facebook page under Father James Martin S.J. It's pretty easy to find. Pops right up. Uh, Twitter, James Martin S.J. Uh, and then Instagram and Snapchat, too. But, um, yeah, the big three would be Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and, yeah, I, I enjoy doing it. I, I, I really do. I, like it. I consider it a ministry. That's awesome. And then if they're watching yeah, Stephen Colbert ever, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although, although I've been I've been on the new show, just the old show. So yeah. I think I have to be a movie. I think I got to be a movie star before. I come on, Stephen. Oh, come on, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, call him up and tell him. Well, oh, yeah. I, I know one of his sure. writers, so I'm gonna I'm we'll, gonna email him tonight. We'll call him. We'll call him right now, right when we get off the phone. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> well, we we really appreciate you coming on. This has been a, oh. a a big dream for us. So thank you for taking the time out oh, to uh, to pleasure. talk to us. That's that's really thoughtful and. Uh, Thanks for all the good work you guys are doing. I mean, you're 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 meeting people in a in another way that I don't meet people in normally, which is uh, you know producing podcasts. I think that's great. That's a new medium. That's a new. I think you know, St. Paul were alive. He'd be doing a podcast right now. Oh man, wow, that's like the biggest compliment we've ever gotten. Well, you've got a standing invitation here, Father Martin. Any any time. Thanks, my friend, and uh, send me the podcast, and I'll be happy to send it around. Oh, awesome. Absolutely, awesome. We will. Well, grace, thanks. grace, and peace to you, friend. Same to you. God bless you. Sweetest, taste your armor. I can never more feel it. Hold your arm. John, I wanted that to be like an hour longer. I know. Than that was. I was, I didn't get to, I have like literally probably six or seven questions that I was like, I have to get to these. And then I had a whole bunch of other ones that were like, if we have time, I'll get to these. I didn't get to like any of them because he's just so good. And we went on so many little like fun little rabbit trails 
But the Jesuit approach to spirituality, which by the way, uh, I've been telling my wife I want to convert to become a Jesuit because I'm, <laughs> I'm literally so into this dude's work right now. I'm, it yeah. is, it's like the first time I read Roar. I was like, where yes. have you been all my life? Yes. Oh my gosh. My wife's at the mall. She doesn't know what, she didn't know what a Jesuit was or whatever. And she's kind of thinking I'm being super weird. And she's at the mall and she's like, so I saw somebody walking at the mall with a Nike shirt on with like the swoosh and it said Jesuit on it. And I was like, oh, I get it. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, Jesuit, Nike, Jesuit. Like instead of just do it, Jesuit. <laughs> It's pretty funny. It's terrible. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the Jesuit approach to spirituality is like, I think, in a way that we couldn't have planned, because we never planned this. Right. This whole like transcendence within eminence, like get away from the escapism theology, get away from the six inches off the ground theology, you know, the pie in the sky, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, what about now? What about the reality that I'm swimming in, that I'm locked into, that's important, that has depth here? Jesuit spirituality is all about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because like he's a Jesuit. Um, obviously, the, the guy that we refer to a lot, um, Father Rohr, is a Franciscan. Right. But there's a lot of common language Oh, there. my gosh, yeah. And he talks about that a lot in his book, uh, Jesuit Guide to Almost Everything. Oh, man. So good. That one's next on my list. <laughs> You're going to love it, man. I'm so excited. It's really good. I've been reading uh, Seven Last Words, An Invitation to a Deeper Friendship with Jesus, and... Um, I've been really enjoying this one. It's it's a very short book. Mm -hmm. It's a it's kind of a small book. Um, I like small books. It's kind of cute. A little snack. It's cute. Yeah, it's a little snack book. Yeah, it's like a charcuterie. But <laughs> yes, before moving on to uh, uh, Jesuit's Guide to Almost Everything. Oh yeah, you were you were telling me about this about how some of the like um, when he talks about how like the abandonment of of Jesus on the cross. You said that there were some really good insights there that were blowing your mind. Yeah, he, he. So what he does is he breaks down uh, the the seven last confirmed words that Jesus said before he was crucified, and really like focuses in on each of those things and kind of like, um, maybe maybe looks at some different angles, um, mm -hmm. like the abandonment, you know, uh, on the cross. Like you know, we've we've had some other guests who've kind of talked about that a little bit before, like this moment where where um, Jesus really has his own moment almost of deconstruction where he feels abandoned. Um, and, and where, where is God, you know, where are you now? You yeah. know, have you left me behind? You know, right. but he takes kind of a different approach. I think the, the, the way he kind of looks at it is, you know, of almost concern, will, will my followers continue the work that I have started? Mm -hmm. You know, will, will they continue on after I'm gone? Like, how could they survive this? Yeah. Like, like viewing this atrocity on this terrible Friday, how could they ever get over this? Yeah. It's it's good stuff. I highly recommend it. You can blow through this book in like a day and a half. It's it's pretty quick read. So, yeah, I'm a really big fan. One of the other things that I like about um, Jesuit spirituality is we love people that like push to the fringes of whatever a movement is currently locked into some status quo, and somebody comes in and taps into something that awakens um, a new like push toward you know further out and. He was literally like basically like uh, Ignatius was essentially condemned as a heretic like early on like yeah because he said people do not need the presence of God mediated to them by the church God deals the cre he said the creator deals directly with the creature whoops through your experiences <laughs> through your desires through you know thought life through creation itself like he was kind of like the first one that ever said everything is spiritual like Whoa. that that is literally an Ignatian idea that everything yeah. is spiritual. Have you ever heard anybody say that before? Rob Bell didn't invent that? <laughs> Are you serious? He, he may have not even known that because I mean, I think I think Rob was honestly coming from more of like a Hebrew like Jewish yeah. kind of idea, but I mean, point being, if you're going to let the spirit or, you know, awakening or enlightenment or 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 realization truly lead you, People are probably going to think you're getting in trouble. People are probably think you're pushing too far. And we wouldn't have this rich tradition of the Jesuits if it wasn't for a guy that wasn't, you know, basically willing to let the Roman Catholic Church, the papacy, the Pope himself, completely misunderstand him. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, that's that's so good. I've I've really enjoyed this one. We've had we've had kind of an interesting mix of of guests. Uh, over the last like month or so, 
well, you guys don't know who we've been interviewing because we have we have a ton of stuff in the can right now. But um, but it's been an interesting blend. I mean, obviously, we've had some Jewish rabbis recently, um, really kind of like touching on things from from you know this this Jewish perspective that's I think been very refreshing. Yeah, the radical theology Jewish perspective, like Jewish mysticism in the light of the death of God movement of the '60s. I mean, come on, people, <laughs> that is. So good. I was say, don't ever complain that we don't have enough variety in this show. Seriously, <laughs> Let me tell you. seriously, you don't even know what's coming. But uh, anyway, yeah, that was yeah, this was, that was a lot of fun. This definitely got me going, man. I mean, I think one of the cool things about this, and I hope the listeners, I hope you guys enjoy this. Like, you're always kind of watching John and I's journey, like whether you know it or not, progress like before your very ears. Because if we get a guest on and we tr- try to research and kind of know what's going on with the guest. We're listening, learning new things, and being pushed to new areas of our uh, enlightenment, our construction or reconstruction or you know whatever. And it is the the excitement you hear coming through these these mics and your speakers is because we're we're just finding out a lot of this stuff, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you're gonna you're gonna have an opportunity uh, very soon, actually. Hopefully, um, right around the time this podcast uh, releases. Uh, brand new website launch coming up, coming coming at you uh, so soon. So if check, not check now, out. soon. Yes, keep checking, and we'll we'll you know tweet on social media and you know all that kind of stuff. But we have got Ryan Battles is a listener. He's local. What a beast! And he's a beast of an <laughs> internet website designer, doing this for us and making us look pretty uh, on the interwebs, and yeah. just just really just touching. You know his level of support and uh, he's amazing yeah so www.deconstructionist.com uh, or the deconstructionist.com yeah. it's going to be hopefully when we're done with it will be one beautiful seamless shiny uh one-stop shop for everything so you'll be able to uh, connect with us on social media through there you'll be able to connect to our patreon campaign that's about to launch you'll be able to connect to our store so if you want some sweet t-shirts or whatever we happen to have up there um, if you want to actually listen <laughs> to, to the episode, to the episode, you'll be able to do it right through the website. Or if you uh, if you're new and if you want to subscribe to iTunes or any number of other podcast listening services, you'll be able to click a button and literally it will take you there. <laughs> Patreon, <laughs> Patreon, Patreon. <laughs> so yeah, Patreon will be coming very very soon. We have some really cool uh, packages for you guys. Um, you know, if you want to be a part of it, we're gonna have some exclusive uh, swag and some ex- exclusive um, opportunities to really be a part of the podcast mm. and and help move this thing forward. And if you didn't see, we have a survey. We had a survey going on on social media on Facebook and Twitter. So we are trying to figure out um, for for the future, you know, where we can make some some live show happen. Um, live shows rather outside of, of Columbus. So if you guys want us to come to your city, uh, let us know, um, and we're gonna we're gonna start looking at areas where you know we can we can feasibly make that happen. Where there's enough deconstructionist listeners that that would come out to listen to us babble at you in person. So it's gonna be so know. much fun. We've got so many treats in store. You guys have no idea. It's just uh, you know <laughs> we, we we say this a lot, but. Um, if you're listening to this show, you're, yeah, you you might be in a place where you just need some safety, you just need some some openness, you just need some curiosity, you just need to hear something new, hear something fresh, um, get filled up somewhere. We hope you find that here. We know that every time we even see people tuning in, listening to this show, tweeting at us, sending us love on on you know whether donations or emails or reviews or things like that. I mean, you guys just don't even know the amount of affirmation and, and, and fuel for our tanks and just purpose and just love that we feel from that. I mean, it is no joke. John and I are, dude, we're overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, I mean, the fact that, you know, there are a lot of new listeners, I think, who have, who have kind of picked up on, on us over the last few months and, uh, so for those of you guys that are new to us, you know, welcome. You know, thank you for joining us. We hope that you found a safe place here. Um, and yeah, this is something that Adam and I do uh, outside of our full-time jobs and our families and other stuff. I mean, we're recording this at 10 o'clock at night. 
because um, John Tell the other can. side of town when we're done here. But <laughs> it's the least I can do because yeah. John does almost everything else. <laughs> Adam and I are trying to figure out a way that we can live closer together. So community living, dude. I'm I, telling you. I, see community living, part of the collective. The deconstructionist <laughs> community house. That's phase two of the of the collective. <laughs> Where we convince Rabbi Art Green. And, and Father James Martin to move oh, here to start the collective. Dude, the deconstructionist Abbey. It'll just be... Per- yes! Perfect. <laughs> I like it. It needs to be Trappist, though. We'll have to brew beer. Oh, uh, We'll get the guys from Bros, Bibles, and Beer. Zach. I think Zach Crater. Yeah. That brewed some delicious double IPAs or whatever and sent them to us. Like, but Trappist oh, sale is a whole nother ballgame. I know. That's beyond an IPA. It's super regulated. Do it, dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh, well, we man. love you guys. Um... Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for listening to Father James Martin. Get his books. I'm telling you, check out his Twitter, and you will be so glad. You, I don't care where you're at. The, the great thing about Jesuit spirituality, one last plug, you don't need to be a believer. You don't need to be a Catholic. You don't need to be anything to benefit from the unbelievable, curious, wonderful, brilliant, optimistic, great approach that is so practical and simple that the Jesuits bring to a richness into life. I'm just, I can't advocate for it enough. Yeah. I love it. That's a mic drop. <laughs> if, this, if this mic wasn't on a stand, I, I kind of want to knock it over. Just, <laughs> so much fun doing this. We love you guys. Yeah. For now, we're your hosts. I'm John Williamson. And I'm Adam Narlock. Love you guys. Love you guys. In her arms you'll never starve You'll never freeze And when the world is hard You can fall asleep there In a world of chaos She could be a silence The oceans of her kindness They will pull you under they will pull you
Oh, you wonder.